Hello. Many believe that works of art should not be forced to compete for something as trivial as an award, but they are mistaken. Only the truly great should be lauded, with failures cursed and berated until my throat hurts. My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and word stumbler, and you're listening to Cinema Limbo. Tonight's edition is a review of the last year in film, so sit back and relax with your favourite cushion as Chris Arnsby and I guide you through 12 months of things we've seen. Chris. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Now, the film year starts in March. So here, the first weekend in March, the week after the Oscars, the very last word of the film calendar is me. Is me? It's me. Oh, you. My my opinion, I get last (laughs) say of everything. It's only fitting. Seems reasonable. I've seen 60 new films over the last year. Six zero. Six zero. Okay. And to be honest, overall, I think there's been a notable dip in quality. Right. A lot of the big acclaimed movies really didn't pan out Mm. for me. A lot of the sort of the big blockbusters seemed a bit underwhelming or just sort of passable. Yeah. I had to struggle a bit to put together a list of 10 that I really liked. Okay. I had to re-revise it a number of times just so that I was happy with the ones that I had Mm. there. Oh, well, maybe next year will be better. Well, I hope so. I mean, fingers crossed for uh, Justice League Mm. Mm. and Wonder Woman. (laughs) Well, yes, yeah. How can DC fail? Yeah, I mean, how could they possibly fail? You'll be hearing about Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad later on. (laughs) I do have, as one other film podcast likes to say, I have one correction and one omission. Okay. In... An episode that of Cinema Limbo released last year, where uh, Amanda and I talked about the Jason Statham film Safe, because I hadn't specified which film with that title I wanted to see. Uh, we talked about a film that I said was called Convergence. Okay. About something involving parallel universes during a dinner party. That film's actually called Coherence. Oh, Coherence. Oh, yes, yeah. And I was helpfully reminded of that by it suddenly appearing again on Netflix the other day. <laughs> yeah. I also left out one film last year, Okay. That I'd seen and missed out while I was talking about it. So, listener, I'm afraid you if you didn't spot that, then you didn't win the secret competition and the speedboat will roll over to next year. Okay, well that's good to know. Uh, and that was Maggie. Maggie. Which was a horror-tinged family drama about zombies. Right. Where the zombie infection takes six weeks to take Oh, hold. is this the Arnold Schwarzenegger? And it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, yeah. as the girl's father. And it's it's Schwarzenegger's dramatic acting mm. debut. We had to start sooner or later. Yeah. He is very good. Okay. He is genuinely very good in that film because he's perfectly cast. It's um, his Copland, is it? Yeah. He's uh, playing a farmer. He's sort of a, a, a man of few words, of you know, someone who doesn't express himself easily. And I thought it was actually a, a very good film. Okay. Um, I, and not what I would expect to see Arnold Schwarzenegger and zombies yeah. from. But a very well-made, well-thought-out film about mm. a family coping with a terminally ill child. You told me earlier that you've actually been to the cinema yeah. a good half dozen times yeah. this year. I was going to say, I think that I think last year I saw three films. Uh, this year I think I may, I, I've only seen seven so next year, I hope to break into double figures. 
of the ones that you've seen, I've seen uh, almost all of them. So we'll yeah. get to those as, as and well. And I think it will become clear quite quickly that there's a particular type of film I tend to trend towards as well. But there was one you named that I hadn't seen. Yeah. Um, which was that? And what that did you was, think of it? There's the girl with all the gifts. I think it was one bank holiday Monday. I just, at a loose end, I decided to wander into central London, go and see it. Yeah, very, very good. I hope, without giving too much away, I came out of the cinema, I didn't like the ending, but in retrospect, the ending is right for the character. It just wasn't the ending I wanted. I see. If that makes any sense. So it was it was dramatically rather than emotionally satisfying. Yeah, yeah. What, in a few words, what's it actually about? Zombies, as is every other film. It's, it's a sort of a young adult. Yeah, yeah. It's based on a young adult book. I think, I think there is a there is a book version of it. Yes, it's a book version. There is a book. It's based on a novel. <laughs> yes, that's the word I was fumbling towards. <laughs> that English degree is paying off, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in spades. It's based on a book. It's zombies. I mean, it's in the UK, which is nice because it has the kind of the home advantage of being able to sit there and go, oh, look at London. It's mm. all abandoned, which I haven't been able to do since 28 days later. Um, <laughs> I don't remember how many days it was. From <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's quite bleak. It's perhaps not ideal bank holiday viewing, but I can recommend it. I've also compiled a set of nominations. Uh, for various uh, films. So I'll go through those now and then I'll tell you the winners as I get to the particular film. Makes sense. So best, let's say best original screenplay to start. Oh, and three other movies actually that I wanted to see, didn't get round to for various reasons. Tony Erdman. Haven't heard of it. The uh, Oscar nominated and I believe BAFTA winning German film about a prankster father inveigling himself in the life of his workaholic daughter uh two hours and 40 minutes of german fun <laughs> it's uh, efficient a- apparently well uh, clearly not because yeah. it's very long apparently it's very good okay yeah, um, yeah. i think i think that's one i remember mark commode talking about and yeah. giving the thumbs up to yeah um silence martin scorsese's film about uh, jesuit missionaries in japan it's martin scorsese yeah, so i thought yeah. i ought to see it but yeah. i didn't and swiss army man about Daniel Radcliffe as a farting corpse who rescues someone from a desert island. Had you not heard of this? I had heard of Swiss Army Man. It, it, did it come out at the same time as his other film, Imperium, or something? I think it did, actually, yeah, yes. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It kind of fell off my radar somehow. But I think it got a, a very limited release, yeah. and then the DVD, as of this recording, still hasn't come out. I think oh, it's due really? out in about a month or so. But it has a, a weirdly long gap before it came out. So I'd really like to see it, because it looks... Totally different from anything else. I think the, the the stuff that I well, the trouble was I didn't hear anything much about it at the time. Again, I suspect it's one of these ones that's going to get traction on DVD, so it might but turn out to do quite be, well. It might be Donnie Darko, except entertaining. Um, so the nominations. Let's go through these, and they're alphabetical. Best original screenplay: Christine, Florence Foster Jenkins, The Founder, The Nice Guys, and Zootopia. Okay. Best adapted screenplay are Anomalisa. Arrival, Finding Dory, Hunt for the Wilder People, and A United Kingdom. Best Supporting Actor is Jeff Bridges for Hello High Water, Hugh Grant for Florence Foster Jenkins, Dev Patel for Lion, Keanu Reeves for The Neon Demon, and Patrick Stewart for Green Room. Best Supporting Actress, Viola Davis for Fences, Scarlett Johansson for Hail Caesar, 
Kate McKinnon for Ghostbusters, Helen Mirren for Eye in the Sky, and Anguri Rice for The Nice Guys. Best Actor, Michael Keaton for The Founder, Sam Neill, Hunt for the Wilder People, David Oyelowo for A United Kingdom, Geza Rurig for Son of Saul, and Denzel Washington for Fences. Best Actress, Amy Adams for Arrival, Rebecca Hall for Christine, Rosamund Pike for A United Kingdom, Emma Stone for La La Land, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead for Ten Cloverfield Lane. And Best Director, Anna Asante for A United Kingdom, Antonio Santos for Christine, Jeremy Sonnier for Green Room, Denis Villeneuve for Arrival, and Taika Waititi for Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay. And uh, there's an awful lot there I haven't seen, which is <laughs> presumably one of the reasons why the Academy keeps returning my nomination forms unvalidated. <laughs> Marked, who are you? <laughs> yes. Please stop bothering us. So, the films that didn't make the top or bottom sectors. Ten, oh, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be at the top, because that's not in alphabetical order. We'll do that one anyway. Ten Cloverfield Lane. I didn't make... It did not make the top ten. Blimey, okay. I saw it, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was very good... But difficult to say without spoilers. The last ten or the last ten or fifteen minutes really spoil the rest of the movie. Okay, listen. If you've seen the movie, then you know what I mean. There's that whole sequence at the end. You could lift that out Mm. and just join the last couple of scenes onto the rest of the movie, and it would be pretty much perfect. And it would have made my top ten of the year. That sequence wrecked it. Okay. You see, I kind of... I, I liked it. I mean, it doesn't need to be there. But that's partly because I think I used that time to just decompress from seeing the rest of the film. Uh. Um, no, I remember watching that and being... It starts with her waking up and she's got a drip attached to her, doesn't it? And I remember yes. sitting in the cinema thinking, well, if that was me, I'd knock the drip over and I'd use it to hook the bag on the... And the fact that she then proceeded to do all that stuff in the next 30 seconds, I just went... Fine, I'm on board with this film. I suppose, listen, you don't need us to tell us what it is, but a woman wakes up in a bunker, Ben Toller is the end of the world, mm. and is worried that she's actually being held captive by John Goodman, who's also there. It's generally very good. Yeah, when it's yeah. just the human drama, this this thriller of just the three characters together, it's very good. Yeah. But as soon as that thing happens, then it gets a problematic. Bad moms. I haven't... No, missed that one. Um, Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, and Catherine Hahn as school mothers who decide to rebel against what suburban mothers are supposed to be. It was very successful. I mm. thought that looks like fun, and it was. And that's and it. That's kind of it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just fun. Um, Beyond the Black Rainbow. This is another one that I dug out that hasn't been released in the UK, and it came out in about 2010. It's a really weird sci-fi horror from the son of the director of Rambo First Blood Part 2. Okay. Um, who basically made the movie to do with his parents' death because his dad made these terrible action movies and his mother was like a, a sculptor or artist. So he's done this very strange, intense sci-fi horror about a woman with psychic powers being held in some kind of research facility. Right. It's very, very, very stylized. It's really interesting. <laughs> okay. Apparently it's made on a very tight budget, but it doesn't show. Right. And it's just full of just really weird detail and odd stuff. And I liked it, mm. but it's kind of... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. It's hard to put your finger on why. Yeah. The BFG. 
Didn't see it, but I work in a library, and this year's summer reading challenge was themed around Roald Dahl, so BFG was everywhere. Um, Very charming, very Mm. likeable, didn't deserve to be a huge flop, which it was. Yeah. I quite liked it. Cafe Society, Woody Allen's new film. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Separating the art from the artist. Oh, God, again? Is the name of the game this year. Oh, uh, oh, I see what you mean. I thought that was the subject of the film. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the film is, it's about a guy in the 20s who becomes successful and then tries to reignite his relationship with the girl he met when he was struggling. And it's sort of a bit thin and insubstantial, but it's kind of fine. Yeah. Kristen Stewart's in it and she's quite good. Captain America Civil War. Oh, yeah. I I really like that. So did I. More depth than one would have thought yeah. from a Marvel movie. I was sitting on the bus from coming back and seeing it, and I, I suddenly realised I was sitting on the bus thinking, Iron Man's such a jerk. And it's like, a jerk. And it's that thing of going, oh, I emotionally identified with that film, didn't I? Yeah. And it was just funny that I was annoyed at the way that Tony Stark had been behaving. And I liked it when Giant Man went, when Ant-Man went big. I thought that was good. Isn't he called Giant Man when he does that? I, it would make logical he, sense. He turns the dial on his magic belt the other way. Yeah. And I liked that... His reaction and the reaction of the other characters was exactly the same as the audience's reaction, which is, wait a minute, how, how come you can suddenly do that? Yeah. Dad's Army. I haven't seen it, but it was one of those films that understandably people got very protective over. Yeah, it's, it's not great, but it, it's not crapping on the legacy of the yeah. series or, or its actors. It's fine. It's something that you could watch with your parents and you would all probably be entertained. It's one of those films I could imagine people making more for the sort of the afterlife in TV repeats and things rather yes. than actually as a cinema film. Deadpool. Finally got around seeing it on, uh, on DVD. What um, did you think? Yeah, good film. Good. <laughs> yeah, I liked it as well. Just the subversion of all yeah. the, the tropes of superhero movies. The fact that it is so irreverent. Mm. And the fact that people really responded to it. Yes. I mean, no one could have predicted that it would have been such a huge runaway success. And that's very encouraging. Particularly Mm. with with Logan coming out Mm. now and it being another R-rated superhero movie. And that poised to also be a big hit. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, saw that one. Really liked it. Yeah, so um, did I. I got a bit frustrated with it in places because... There's a whole sequence where he's being thrown through weird alternate universes and things, and it's got a sort of voiceover by Tilda Swanton or something. And Tilda who? Tilda Swanton. Swinton. Okay, I was close. Like the car insurance. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then, I, I, from now on, I'm just going to refer to everyone as him or her. I don't <laughs> play it safe. But, but, uh, but which one with Tilda Swinton? Uh, well, yeah. She's this beyond such things. Mm. Anyway, as she's being flung through all these parallel dimensions, there was a sense that the voiceover was unnecessarily and it would have been a really weird cinematic experience without it i understand why it was there to stop it being too weird but again you kind of know what you're getting with but marvel films are very comp they're like the ikea of cinema these days aren't they they're sticking to a formula Mm. and they're sticking to a recipe and it works they do need to think about not getting stale i mean this year we've got guardians of the galaxy which is obviously very different. Mm. Um, but we've also got Spider-Man. We've had a lot of Spider-Man movies. Yes. Um, That's going to have to be interesting. 
and uh, Thor Ragnarok, mm. which apparently is more of a road movie. Okay. And also features the Hulk in a main role, I think. So right. I, think, I think they might be developing the um, Planet Hulk story. Yeah. So they are changing things up a lot more. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see how things develop. But uh, they're still doing better than DC. Uh, yes, well, this is true. I'm sure Aquaman's going to be great. Oh, won't it just? Actually, I don't, I don't want to be one of those people, oh, Aquaman, he's rubbish. Sorry, I take that back. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I mean, DC's track record is so bad. I mean, yeah. we'll get on to this later, listener. It's hard to imagine that, you know, Wonder Woman is a character with a rich history, a rich mythology. There's a lot you can do there. But everyone's still expecting it to be terrible. Mm. Justice League is, you know, Batman and Superman teaming up to fight the most dangerous and all the, it is. And, and, you know, not just Batman and Superman, the, the others. And, and all the rest. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, one, uh, Wonder Woman, Marine Boy. Flash is probably uh, in there somewhere. Billy Wiz. Yeah. And Robocop. Yeah. Ethel and Ernest. This uh, was an animated film based on Raymond Briggs' biography of his parents. Mm. A fe- it's a very small story just about an ordinary couple and their lives from the, the 20s through to the 70s. But just very compassionate. So, yeah. you know, they're just small, ordinary lives. But that's important because it's their lives. Yeah. It, it's, it's the world to them. And it, was, it took a while to win me over, but I thought it was really lovely. Mm. Eye in the Sky. Oh, that's the drone film, isn't it? Yes, it's yet another film about drone strikes. <laughs> yet another one. Uh, yet, yet I another, missed all the others. Yet so. another drone strike movie. Almost like a filmed play, and largely done in real time. I thought oh. it was interesting, I thought it was quite well written. It's going to be remembered really only for it being Alan Rickman's last film. Oh, uh, right, yeah. But it's alright. It's not a film that I would say go out of your way to see it but it's fine mm. speaking of going out of your way to see it Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them oh that's don't, the Harry Potter don't make one. any special yes. effort to see Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them yeah sorry I got for, for some reason I blanked and was getting it mixed up with Beasts of the Southern Wild oh yeah it turns out Harry Potter films without Harry Potter don't really work heard of Thunker it's quite badly written <laughs> okay. given that it's written by J.K. Rowling herself a lot of characters and ideas thrown in without being properly introduced. Eddie Redmayne is still a terrible actor yeah. and there's a, there's lacking a, any kind of charisma. There's a honkingly awful line in the trailer, which is all I've seen of it, where they make some comment about these creatures are lost in a country surrounded by the most hostile animals of all. Man. <laughs> That's so terrible. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a complete dud. Hmm. And there's another five to come. There's another four like coming, four. yeah. Okay. Well, if nothing else, in the US, it did noticeably less well than most Harry Potter movies. Oh. But internationally, it did very well indeed. And it's one of the highest grossing movies of the year outside the US. So we will see another one. Oh, yes. Hopefully, it will be an improvement. Although, given who joins the cast in the next movie, that's not likely. Who's that going to be? Jonathan Depp. Oh, really? Oh, dear. Tim Burton's not doing any films this year, though. Please, Tim Burton, make... No, well, actually, he did. He did do a new movie with his other new actor, Eva Graham, which is apparently the oh. correct way to pronounce her last name. Uh, who, listener, I am putting my money down for now as the woman who should be the next Doctor Who. I think she'd be terrific. 
She has that alienness okay. that reminds me of Tom Baker. And as everyone says, it's about time there should be a female doctor. I've been saying that for several years, ahead of the curve as usual. Yes. I think she'd be a very fine choice. Okay. And lots of planets have a France. Fences. It's a good performance. It's good performances. In fact... I think you nominated somebody. Yes. Yeah. Viola Davis wins Best Supporting Actress. Okay. my awards here for Fences. It's about the African-American experience over the course of 15 years or so, but just through a small family. Right. Denzel Washington, who I don't really care for generally. I find that he tends to coast by in a lot right. of his movies. I thought was really excellent as a bin man who feels he could have been a great baseball player but was overlooked because he was black, right. when it's more likely it's because he was too old and he wasn't he wasn't quite good enough. Yeah. Although he's convinced that he was... Did he, he pick up an Oscar nomination for that? He did, yeah. and I expected him to win, right. actually. He said it was won by... The other guy who we will talk about. Um, But um, there have been a lot of films about race this year, Mm. race in America. And this one has problems. It's really overwritten. It was adapted by the original playwright, who died about 10 years ago, and they haven't touched a word of his script, from what I gather. Which was a mistake, because it's nearly two and a half hours long, and it's really, really wordy. Mm. I think that it needed to be more cinematic. But... As cinema, as films go, this is a really great play. <laughs> okay. Imp- impeccably acted, quite well directed, given that it's all set in, in one house, mm. and um, very, very cleverly written. Yeah. But it but could not cinematic. It, it, no. Finding Dory. I love Finding Nemo very much, so there was a lot of pressure on this to be good, yeah. and I loved Finding Dory. It was everything that I wanted it to be. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's no, need, no need to look embarrassed. Um, I'm just checking whether or not I actually gave it any awards. I didn't, but yeah, I liked it very much. Yeah. Do they find Dory? Of course they do. Okay, let's of just check it. And her parents are very well cast. I think it's. Um, is it Diane Keaton and Eugene Levy? Okay. I think, <laughs> as Ellen DeGeneres' parents. Well, that fits, I think. Yeah, they even yeah. I think they even got back the actor who played the voice of Nemo in the original, who's now about twenty, <laughs> to play little Nemo, still a child in inverted commas right. fish. Sigourney Weaver is in it as herself, in a way that <laughs> as herself, as herself, okay. and it works, and it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've got. I'm, a, I'm intrigued. I'm now. just so impressed by yeah. how. It's as charming and as lovely and as engaging as the original movie. Mm. And it doesn't retread any old ground. It's all fresh. I've forgotten the name. What's the name of the lead actor in Modern Family? I uh, couldn't tell you, sorry. Um, him yeah. play, plays an octopus. <laughs> and Because he's the, the grumpy curmudgeon. And here, he's a grumpy curmudgeon of the octopus. Right. And it fits perfectly. Florence Foster Jenkins... Have you heard the story of Florence Foster Jenkins at all? Refresh my memory. She was a New York socialite in the 40s, a great patron of the arts, who was convinced that she was a great singer, even though she was absolutely tone deaf. Oh. And she gave a concert, which was recorded, and uh, everyone at the concert, her friends, said, "Oh, oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, my dear, that's so terrific. The recordings were sold, and 
people who went to the concert wrote for the press and said, no, 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 she's terrible. And she's gone on record as being one of the worst singers of all time. Yeah. And the film is a very kindly, charming portrait of this woman. Yeah. In her delusion. Yeah, because it would be easy to just point at her and laugh, I guess. But yeah. But it avoids going down that road. No, it's it goes into her background and her past a great deal. And it offers a lot of insight as to how it is the way she is. And her personal life, Hugh Grant, a nominated, uh, who plays her husband, who was an actor who never really met with success, but whose marriage has allowed him access to a, a further strata yeah. in society. But he still loves her very much. And it's it's this interesting balance of he's able to use his her fair position, but he does genuinely care for her. And he, Grant, uses his own screen persona very, very well. It's like in Punch Drunk Love, where you had Adam Sandler perfectly cast to exploit his screen persona, but add so much more depth and richness, and you really understand why he is that screaming lunatic. Here you have Hugh Grant playing the charming debonair Englishman abroad, but there's so much more interest and depth to the personality that it really works very, very well. Hmm. Although Meryl Streep coasts through a little bit and she's got nominated. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Okay. We've talked about this at length. Yes. I have talked to you about this at length. Yeah. I like it. It has problems. Uh, yeah. A lot of the jokes are funny, but the script needs to be tighter and there needs to be less improv. I saw it on a plane. I was bored. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Okay. The one bit that genuinely got a laugh out of me was where Slimer nicks their car and then five minutes later, he turns up driving the car again and he's got Mrs. Slime and with <laughs> And it was the appearance of Mrs. They were just so happy together. And it just really, it, it got an honest-to-God laugh out of me. So that was the highlight of the film. I kept, for me, the highlight was Kate McKinnon. Because I, I don't watch Saturday Night Live because I live in the UK. Yeah. So she's a, this amazing performer, this lunatic, over-the-top hmm. person. who and every, it's a, It goes over the top, but it still feels slightly grounded. And I think she's terrific in that. Green Room. Didn't see it, but I might do. A band virtually out of money, except a gig playing at some backwards bar, which turns out to be a neo-Nazi enclave. And when they see one of the patrons murder someone in the back room, they have to barricade themselves and and try and uh, survive the night. Patrick Stewart gets Best Supporting Actor for playing the leader of the neo-Nazis. He's terrific. He doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't do anything violent. Mm. But there is this menace coming off him in waves. It's very, very frightening. He's a terrific actor. I was lucky enough years ago to see, when he came over to London and did his one-man version of A Christmas Carol. Oh. I had a chance to see him in that. And yeah, he's a fantastic actor. It's it's a terrific film. It's not really many, anything more than a, just a really good B movie. Okay, but very very well made. Very very well. As a, it's down for best director as well. It sounds a bit like a is it kind of a assault on precinct thirteen e? Yes. Yeah. A very good cast. Anton Yelchin, the late Anton Yelchin. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, Chekhov. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, highly recommended. Very very violent. Absolutely unflinchingly violent. So not a pizza film then. No, I'm also vegetarian. Okay, yeah. Uh, after all, Hitler was a vegetarian, wasn't he? Mm. Hacksaw Ridge. Okay, yes. Mr. Now, Brooks. again, 
Yeah, have to, having to uh, separate the art from the artist. Mm. It's not bad, but it's very much a film of two halves. The story of uh, mm. a conscientious objector who signs up to join the army in World War Two and refuses to carry a gun, but winds up being a war hero by rescuing dozens of people from a battlefield. The first half is all the training stuff, and it's kind of okay. Right. And he won't carry a gun. He refuses to even touch one of the rifle and everything like that. And he gets victimised by the rest of his platoon. And it's kind of a full metal jacket light. Okay, yeah. But then the second half, and the actual battle itself, and the aftermath, is the most violent war film I've ever seen. Blood and guts all over the place. You know, flamethrowers, you know, wherever possible. Lots of people being blown in half. And it really communicates just the nightmarish horror and highlights the heroism of Desmond Doss. Okay. So you can't deny that Mel Gibson is a great director. It doesn't mean that he's a nice person, because he's still a terrible man. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not going to change, as far as I can see. No, you could be both, yeah. For a while, that was getting close to my top ten. I thought, okay. Mel Gibson follow my top ten? Turns out I don't need to. <laughs> uh, Hail Caesar. Didn't see it. Uh, a very much a lesser offering from the Colonel oh, really? about the workings of Hollywood. Because the, 40s. the way it was discussed, you'd get the impression it was one of their greats, but it's not. It's a lot of it feels like a bunch of sketches vaguely drawn together. Right. Some parts of it are really funny. Scarlett Johansson's down best supporting actress for playing an Esther Williams type swimming star. Oh yeah. yeah. Who off screen is. <laughs> very brassy and very mouthy and has got herself into trouble oh, okay. so to speak yeah. and winds, winds up in a marriage to some hapless studio runner who's sort of podgy and out of shape I thought, and just the image of this sort of podgy out of shape never she guy glasses marrying <laughs> marrying <laughs> marrying you know yeah. the beautiful Scarlett Johansson is deliberately played as being ridiculous yeah. and then she falls in love with him anyway okay <laughs> So bits of it are good, yeah. but it's it's a lesser Coen Brothers. Uh, Hell or High Water. Oh, I missed one. No, we know the danger of that. Hardcore Henry. Oh, yes. Yeah, the first person. The first person action movie. Um, it's great. Okay. <laughs> it's an action movie filmed entirely in the first person. Yeah. So gunfights, running around, car chases, running up and down buildings. I mean, well, I guess what I have to... And dialogue scenes, presumably, as well. No, the main character oh, doesn't speak. Right, okay. Henry, Henry never speaks for the whole movie. They found out how to do a video game movie. Yeah, yeah. It's you just make a movie that looks like a video game. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. <laughs> the, the action is really impressive. The visual effects are very, very clever. The only actor in it I've heard of is Charlotte Copley, who plays this recurring character who keeps appearing called Jimmy, who keeps dying, and yeah. then another version of him keeps turning up. Oh, right. Really? And this is explained late in the film in a very clever way. If it's first, I mean, is it? Do they try to mock it up so it's all like one take as well? Or there are there are cuts. There's the cuts. It, yeah, it's okay. not it's not an, an unbroken ninety right. minute take. There are yeah. there are edits, but again, within scenes, I think there is a lot of hidden cuts to right, disguise okay. where they've joined bits together. Technically, it's very impressive, yeah, yeah, especially with a, a very low budget. It's a proper beer and pizza movie, and it's <laughs> lots of fun. Okay. And it's surprisingly well written. It's got a really strong story. Hell or High Water. I did not know what all the fuss was about with Hell or High Water. I'm not even... Don't recognise Oscar nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> uh, uh, Jeff Bridges, Best Supporting Actor. The Oscars are on my list. Yeah. Um, it's a film that says 
there was a uh, recession and lots of people lost jobs and lost oh, their homes. Really? And that's that's terrible. Yes, yeah. And yeah, it is. And Hollywood's no how nice of Hollywood to know. Yeah, that that trickle down effect is really working. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of okay. well made, but it's yeah, I know. I know I know this already. Yeah. Hidden figures. Speaking of oh, yes, speaking yes. of stories that I had no idea that there was apparently a unit at NASA existing entirely of African Americans no, who did all their songs for them. Sadly they kept that quiet. It's bizarre in one way, but also really uplifting because they weren't treated with a great deal of respect, but they they earned it through hard work. And apparently by John Glenn being really nice and insisting on saying hello to them. Well, I'm glad to know that John Glenn was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, because he he died last year. I think he did, yeah. Um, Kevin Costner plays with the head of department who... Is introduced as being quite unpleasant, but in terms of only, it's like a, a drill instructor. He hates everyone. Right. He will make no distinction to race, gender. He's just going to be horrible to you. He'll find a reason. Yeah, yeah. And he winds up sort of respecting these people yeah. for their work. And they wouldn't be there if they weren't talented. For all their sass talking, they all have PhDs in physics. Mm. They're all incredibly clever people who've earned this right to be there. Yeah. Um, it's a good movie. It, it's the highest grossing of the Best Picture nominees. Okay. With good reason, I think. Uh, High Rise. Oh, the um, J.G. Ballard. The J.G. Ballard adaptation directed by Ben Wheatley. Yeah, I mean, this was one that I was going to go and say, and then didn't. And I couldn't actually tell you why, except that it seemed to be a film that a lot of people were looking forward to in advance, and then the response got more lukewarm as people had seen it. I think that's true. I was disappointed. Yeah. Ballard is my favourite author, and I think Ben Wheatley could be the next Christopher Nolan. But I think this was a not exactly a misstep, right. but a missed opportunity. There are too many changes made to the original text, whilst also trying to keep it in period. Yeah. And I think they would have done better just to update it to the present day rather than keeping it into the 70s and the, t- the tone of it is slightly too comic right there's just bits of it just feels they've just gone slightly wrong in a lot of directions and it's wound up just not working properly and it's a real shame hmm. because uh it's something that's been in development for 20 years yeah hmm. it's a pity uh hitchcock truffaut this is a lot of documentaries i see right. Are just sort of like filmed versions of magazine articles. They're not, okay. they're not wildly cinematic. But this was about the interviews by Francois Truffaut and Alfred Hitchcock about how he sees film as working. And it was interesting as both to hear Hitchcock's ideas and Truffaut's ideas and the story of how this yeah. all came together and the influence that this has had. Uh, so that was that was interesting. Hush a horror movie that turned up on Netflix that I vaguely read about. Uh, I think it did the rounds of some film festivals, and it's a home invasion drama, except the the sole woman, the only person living in the house in the middle of nowhere is a deaf-mute woman. Right. So about an hour of the movie has no dialogue. Okay. And it's well-directed and well-made, but... it's That's kind of it. It sounds a bit high-concept, yeah. It's, yeah, and on its own terms it works. Yeah. But... There's no more to it than that. Yeah. It's just a well, well constructed thriller. Inferno. Oh, the Dan Brown. The Dan Brown one. Now, I've seen all the Dan Brown movies now. Okay. I don't know why, because they're not very good. Is it because <laughs> I wonder? 
Why don't uh, you guess at why, why that might be? <laughs> well, why they're not very good? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've read all the books. Oh, have you? And I, I, I've got a soft spot for the books, but again, they're not. They're very, they're very bog standard thrillers. But the nice thing is that the actual ideas are completely insane. I mean, angels and demons, the whole business with somebody's planning to use antimatter to blow up the Pope. Yeah. You think that's just nuts. Lee Child never does things like that, so far as I know. The thing that I've thought about, after, I mean, the movie isn't very good, and yeah. I did doze off briefly. <laughs> um, Felicity Jones is in it, and she's a terrible actress, and she's terrible in everything. But I did think about afterwards, the point of the movie is it's about someone who's trying to set off a sterility bomb to prevent global overpopulation. And the film massively softens the ending of the book. Really? Yes. Interesting. And I read I read the synopsis of the book afterwards and I thought, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Cause... Because that feels more like... And thinking back, I thought, well, in terms of Brown's other books, what he seems to be doing is burying really quite daring yeah. concepts. Like, what if the whole of religion is based on a deliberate lie? Yeah. You know, what's the rights and wrongs of sterilising a third of the world's population mm. to control overpopulation? He's burying these very contentious ideas in the plots of crappy thrillers. Yeah. And it's almost like he's doing this deliberately to seed these ideas into the public consciousness through a medium that's easily digestible. Yeah, possibly. Maybe Dan Brown is a secret genius. It could be. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise... I don't know what to think. <laughs> it's like... He's the world's what, smartest bad writer. Why is he burying these very contentious ideas that are worth thinking about yeah. in the plots of movies and books that are really quite rubbish? The ending of Inferno caught me by surprise. I mean, I think the film skipped over one of the Dan Brown, uh, Robert Langdon Yes, books. it skipped over the lost symbol. Yeah, which is Freemasons and stuff. And, mm. you know, who knows? Maybe that's because the Freemasons control Hollywood or something. But... Uh, that depend, not, not if you ask Mel Gibson. Um, I was going to make a joke, but I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> no, it's fine. I thought I'd go there instead. And it's odd that they decide they did just jump over that one. Maybe it didn't fit in with Tom Hanks' schedule or something. But I think it's more they wanted to do one with fine settings. Because yeah, I think that's lo- true. Because a lost symbol set entirely in the US. It is set in Washington, so it may just have been. Yeah. And it's the weakest of the well, uh, Robert Langdon books, I think. But uh, no, it is. I got to the end of Inferno, and it is... Very strange. Yes. From what I... I mean, it's... We shouldn't spoil it. But, listener, if you don't mind spoiling it, look it up. Because that's very ballsy stuff to put in, like, an airport novel. I'd actually go... I don't don't read Inferno, because the great things about the books is they just slide past you. They're incredibly easy to read. They're like the cinema, cinematic McDonald's. Mm. They just just go straight through you. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds terrible. In a good way. On the way in. Yeah, yeah. So on the way out, it's Zack Snyder. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason Bourne. Okay, yeah, didn't see it. But um, like... Yeah, they're really setting in, settling into a formula. Okay. And it really feels formulaic. I mean, what is this? Number four? four. Number four. It's, well, it's, technically it's the fifth one, but they did the Bourne Legacy, which he's not in. Right. And, and there you... was just no reason for this to be made. Is it just a James Bond franchise now? Well, not even that. It just okay. feels like there's nothing in this that they didn't do in any of the previous Bourne movies. Maybe they, everyone had some time in their schedules. They just got together to make a film. Yeah. Okay. I guess really. maybe because the studio wanted them to do one. Yeah. So eventually they just Are did. they planning another one? 
I don't know. I imagine they might be because this one did well, but yeah. we'll see. The Jungle Book. Oh yeah, yeah. The is it live action CGI or am well, I getting mixed up? It won the Oscar for visual effects, right. even though everything in it is computer generated, apart from the actor playing Mowgli right. and things he's physically touching. Okay. So it's actually an animated movie with a yeah, live action yeah. actor in it. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I was surprised by how good it was. It's not wildly groundbreaking yeah. or anything other than a technical level, but it's a it's a really solid version of the story, I yeah. think. I thought it was very good. La La Land. Oh, yes. Uh, I did not care for La La Land. Okay. I felt the story was trite and boring. I forgot, it forgets to be a musical for an hour in the middle. <laughs> really? Uh, That's yeah, a bit of a misstep. It stops having any songs. Right. Um, the opening sequence of the big song and dance number on the freeway is great, and the movie just decides to be a completely different tone for the rest of the running time. Right. Uh, the male lead character, not Ryan Gosling himself, is a terrible person who spends a lot of time jazz-splaining. Right. Emma Stone's character is very thin and quite badly written. And the fact that she's down on my list for Best Actress yeah. just shows how well she's able to rise above the material. Yeah. It's really just fluff. Yeah. It's, it's really disappointing. It passed me by because I have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to films about... Hollywood. Yeah, I understand. Um, probably also why I didn't see Hail Caesar as well, to be honest. Lion. Another of the Best Picture nominees. Oh, yes. With Dev Patel nominated here for Best Supporting Actor. Um, it's a TV movie for cinemas. Right. A very young boy in India gets on the wrong train, gets lost, winds up in an orphanage, uh, and is adopted by an Australian family. Mm. And as an adult, he goes looking for his home in his village again. Yeah. The true story sounds fascinating. Yeah. But here it just feels like a, a TV movie. Yeah, it's, it sounds like the sort of thing you can imagine being done very well as a, as a documentary. Yeah. But yeah. And there is documentary footage that's included, which is more engaging than the rest of the movie. Right. A lot of it feels... Given that much of the movie is written from like the point of view of a four-year-old, I'm wondering how much of this is actually accurate. Yeah. Particularly the film Devon's trying to say you know, how much Calcutta is infested with paedophiles. It's just, it's, just lousy, it's just lousy with them, right. everywhere. Lo and behold, Reveries of a Connected World. Long title? Uh, it's a Werner Herzog film. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and when you, the moment you say that, it suddenly makes sense. It's uh, Werner Herzog's thoughts on the internet. Uh, Is he for it or against it? Uh, in general, he sees it as a tool. It's very much a Werner Herzog take on this material. Yeah. It's interesting to hear what he thinks, and it's interesting to see some things like they go to the room where the internet started. Okay. This was, and point to the point. This was the first server, and it's like the size of a huge fridge. Wow. It's, do, uh, it's, it's stating the obvious. It's a documentary. Though, oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought for a minute he might have been playing Tim Berners Lee or something. No, it's a lesser Herzog, but yeah. it's just nice that he's now just able to just to churn out. I've got a real about whatever he wants. Yeah, I've got a real soft spot for his documentaries. I usually quite happily watch them. So yeah, I think that's. This will be added to the list. He did do another one last year, which I didn't get around to seeing, called Into the Inferno, which was about volcanoes. Oh, okay. And I imagine it's one of those things, what does Werner Herzog think about volcanoes? Yes. Well, let's go and look at some and interview some people, then he'll do yeah. some crazy voiceover. Yeah. And yeah, I've always got time for that. Moana. Uh, yeah. Disney goes to the South Seas. Yes. Yeah, I liked it. Totally good. Um, nice story, good voice acting, some good songs, really nice animation. Nothing, again... I mean, yeah. it's nothing while the original is. No, it's the first. No, it's not the first non-white Disney princess because you had Tiana and the Princess and the Frog. Mm. But um, 
a film that consists entirely of ethnic minorities. Okay. And is cast appropriately as well. Yeah, yeah good good fun for all the family, genuinely. Mm. Moonlight. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. There is nothing in this movie that I wouldn't have worked out for myself. Mm. Did you know that it's hard growing up gay in a poor black community? No, but I think I... Yes, I could have taken If you that. thought about it for a, a minute or two, yeah. I thought, yeah, it probably is. That's probably no picnic. Yeah. And that's the thesis of the film. Yeah, it's it's tough. That's it. That's that's yeah. all there is to it. And I have no idea why it's had this level of acclaim. If only because people are saying, well, these kinds of stories aren't told in movies. That's true. Yeah. But why is the film so bad? Oh, why, well, why, why are all the characters really totally flat with no depth or context to, to anything? Yeah, well, that's a whole separate problem, isn't it? Camilla Long read a terrible review of this where she basically oh, said... Oh, see the one from the Times? Yeah, yeah she so said I she had difficulty with the film because she's not black or gay or anything, so she couldn't empathise with it. Yeah, got the because she's, she doesn't step because, outside because, her own head. Yeah, because yeah. she... Um, I can empathise with this. Yeah. I wanted to empathise with it more, and I think the film could have done more to help pull me in. It's the film's fault, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Neon Demon. Okay. Um... Nicholas Winding Refn in the fashion industry, uh, fashion models, and and then halfway through the movie, it turns into an insane occult horror movie. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Keanu Reeves is Dan's best supporting actor because he plays a motel owner who is really frighteningly predatory and aggressive. Right. And it's, Doesn't sound like a typical Keanu Reeves character. I, did, I didn't even realise it was him. Well. Because I mean, he just—he's just as himself. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, he's got a bit of a beard, but yeah. he looks normal. Yeah. But he's so different from how you've seen in anything else. It's very, very unnerving, and I was really impressed by his performance. Oh, okay. The rest of the movie's kind of a bit ho hum. Yeah. Yeah, it does go crazy towards the end. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting how you've done it, and it looks very stylish and everything. But your the actual message of the movie—that oh, you know, the fashion industry just. Swallows up models and then spits them out like garbage. Oh, it's a metaphor. Yeah, is it a it, metaphor? It's where the metaphor is more interesting than the well, point it's trying to make. Yeah. But Winding Raffin is always quite entertaining to watch. The Nice Guys. Shane Black returns oh, that's to right. yes, yeah. uh, buddy action comedies. Yeah. Ryan Gosling and uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, it's lots of fun. Okay. Um, it's not anything that's wildly groundbreaking, but it's it's well directed, it's well acted. Russell Crowe. A weirdly natural fit for comedy. Suddenly, yeah. Ryan Gosling, who would have thought? Uh, you know, he can take a beating with the best of them. You watch this back to back with uh, like La La Land or Drive, where he's Mister Cool. And here, it's like um, like Warren Beatty in Ishtar. He's so just sort of confident and comfortable being the charming ladies' man. But yeah, he'll do a movie where he will just act like a complete idiot. Mm. You know, repeatedly get his hands shut in doors accidentally drops cigarettes down his pants and just make a fool of himself. Yeah, good and it's generally very good. Mm. Now You See Me Too. This almost made my bottom five. Really? I really loved Now You See Me. I was really shocked by how much I liked it. Mission yeah. Impossible, but with magicians. Yeah, no, it's it's a great concept. The sequel manages to <laughs> basically take a crap in the mouth of everyone who liked the first film. Really? It does everything wrong. It's really badly thought out. It's really badly written. One of the main characters in the first movie doesn't come back, so there's just an arbitrary, <laughs> oh, we have to have new woman-shaped character here. Yes. It's really disappointing, and it has twists and turns in the plot that make no sense whatsoever. 
it's really terrible. Yeah. But it's not bottom five terrible yet. Wow, okay, yeah. Pete's Dragon, which I only saw because I had a free voucher to rent a video from my local um, library. Okay. Patronise your local libraries. Yeah, yeah, keep them going. So I borrowed Pete's Dragon, and it's okay. not very good. But the, Dis- the original Disney film wasn't... For- it's Disney in the Wilderness years, isn't it? And this is even more so. It's, film- it's not a musical... Uh-huh. And it's updated to the present day baby. <laughs> is it the gritty reimagining of Pete's Dragon? It, well, it kind of, it, and it's it's all sort of filmed at Magic Hour and uh, in the Pacific Northwest. There's lots of trees, yeah. and it's and it looks like a Nicholas Sparks film. Yeah. Um, Robert Redford's in it, being all twinkly, yeah. and uh, the dragon doesn't even talk. Right. I don't know if he talks in the original, but if I'm seeing I a film, forget. if I'm seeing a Disney film with a dragon, that dragon has better yes, yeah. talk. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh, yes. You saw this. I did, yes, indeed. You liked it as well, didn't you? I did. <laughs> you said accusing I don't. I sat there and enjoyed it. I let it wash over me, and I just kind of left the cinema. I was a little bit subsequently surprised to sort of go online and see that people were having quite a negative reaction to it. Mm. Um, I can acknowledge the flaws of the film. I can acknowledge the fact that, that it has problems with the story and the characters. But it was, it was good fun. I did not care for it. I'm afraid. Okay. Um, Any particular thing that stood out? I really hate Felicity Jones. <laughs> I just think she's a really boring actress, well, guess, and yeah. she's a very, very poor choice to play the yeah. lead role. The problem with the story is we know how it's going to end. Yes. So the only way we're going to care about what happens is you have to really care about the characters, yeah. and they are so thinly and crudely sketched, and sometimes quite badly acted. You don't care about that either. Hmm. I didn't feel like I had anything to fall back on. Yeah, no, I can, I can, I can see that. I think I, I came out of it and I thought that Donnie Yen's character was by far and away the best, oh, yeah, and most interesting yeah, thing yeah. in it. And actually, weirdly, went some way. The thing I could never get my head around in Star Wars was the point when they go from Jedi's being these insane, kick-ass warrior monks to the Han Solo's line about hokey religions and Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, yeah. And this actually with Donnie Yen's character, where it's this effectively almost a religious lunatic who wanders around going, I am with the force, the force is with me. Yeah. Goes quite a nice way to bridging those two positions. Yeah. But that's not enough to base an entire film around. A major problem I had is the way they brought back Grand Moff Tarkin mm. of digitally, recreate, that, digitally mm. recreating Peter Cushing. I don't have a problem with that in principle, but too little effort was made to try and replicate the way Cushing speaks and moves. Mm. If you remember, Cushing has extremely precise diction in all his films. You can always hear the slight gap between all of his words when he's speaking. And the actor who plays him doesn't do that at all. Yeah. And that really annoyed me. Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> Didn't see it, but should it's have great. done. Yeah. It feels like Star Trek again. After 20 years, a Star Trek movie that feels like Star Trek. Well, they had to get there sooner or later. Yeah. Would have been nice if they'd done it a bit faster. At yes. warp speed, maybe. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Very good. But, uh, yeah, I really liked it. I was surprised by how much I liked it. Tale of Tales, recommended to me by listener Dominator Rago. Three Italian fairy tales, told in a very stylized Baroque, Gothic way, mm. and intertwined together with an all-star cast and filled in English. It's fine. <laughs> um... It's very handsomely mounted, very good cast, but it's all just a bit 
remote. Right. It's hard to empathise with and hard to get invested in because it's all fairyland. Right. Straight away. Okay. And the, sort of the emotional elements of it. Oh, there's a queen who wants to have a child. That's oh, okay, that's something that I could get invested in. And, but the way she has to have a child is to catch a sea monster and eat its heart. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> so there we are. 13th. Another documentary um, about the way the 13th Amendment of the American Constitution, the one that abolished slavery, has, through its wording, been used to perpetuate slavery through the prison system. Oh, the, yes, I've heard about this one, I think. It feels a very, like a very conclusive case. It right. does let the other side have a say, but I do get the impression they found some of the, the weakest, chinless wonders at the bottom of the barrel <laughs> to try and say, oh, no, it's, it's not racist, really. Well, sadly, there's... But then a... the rest of the movie says... No, it is, yeah. and here's an hour and a half of evidence. There's a there, there's a case that just seems to have concluded in the news today about a judge in America that's just been found guilty of effectively selling young black teenagers to prison. That's but they got not it. As surprising as it should be. No, but they got it <laughs> eventually. Well, yeah, eventually. Warcraft. Now, I'm in danger of getting this. Mixed up. Don't worry, no, about looking, don't worry about looking foolish. I do it every day. Is this the one with the orcs and the, our planet is dying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, blah, blah, blah. What are you worried about confusing? I it? think I nearly. Somebody was telling me the other day that they'd watched a movie about Warhammer 40,000. Oh, okay. And I'd completely. For so, I spent about the first five minutes of the conversation assuming they were talking about Warcraft. This is Duncan Jones, isn't it? This was in my bottom five <laughs> for a very long time. And when I was finalising the list, I thought, you know, Duncan Jones last year had a really terrible year. I suppose, actually, yeah, he, lost he his did, father, didn't he? Yeah. And he saw a film he'd been working on for years bomb all over the world except China. And even though it's not likely to have any impact whatsoever, I don't want to add to his misery by saying, your film is terrible. Yeah. Guy deserves a break. Yeah, seems reasonable. He's made two very good sign five movies mm. before this. This I'm going to assume is a blip. Yeah. He's got a new movie out before the end of the year. Well, this always seemed a very out of character. Given how individual Moon and... I forget Source what... Source Code. Source Code, that was it. I, I, I think I saw the trailer before I heard who the director was, and I had trouble reconciling the two once I'd yeah. seen the trailer. So I don't quite know. Money, possibly. It, it, it's dead. Maybe. But then again, if you want to set yourself that goal of making something different each time you make a film, then why not go for something like this? Yeah. Maybe he just really likes the game. Maybe. I mean, I, I say I'm disappointed. I wasn't that disappointed. I thought it was... I didn't think it was going to be something that appealed to me. And not only did it not, it didn't appeal to anyone else either. Yeah. But... I like Duncan Jones. Yeah. And I just want to, I just want I just want nice things for him. Yeah, seems reasonable. So yeah, as, as I say, this won't have any impact on him at all. <laughs> I I'm not I don't want to overestimate my own position. I don't want to add to the sum yeah. total of misery in the world. <laughs> when I could slag off people who really deserve oh, it. Oh absolutely, yeah. The Witch. This is potentially on my list of films to watch because I've heard very good things about it. I didn't care for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, but I, maybe other people. Maybe other, I've been other, listening. Other people seem to really like it. Maybe I've been listening to other people's opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know no good will come of it. Yeah, it didn't really snap right. with me. Um, in Puritan colonial times, a family goes out and to live in the forest because they've been banished, and then they get menaced by a goat and, and maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's maybe right. It's a, a scary goat. Or it's a scary goat called Black Philip. Yeah. There's a lot more. 
attention to detail and attention to just making everything look right yeah. than you get from most horror movies. There's certainly a huge amount of care got yeah. into it. It just didn't grab me. Yeah. And that's a shame. I really mm. wanted to like it. X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, so actually, I think, I think I missed this out of the list when I was discussing it earlier. I thought it was good fun. I mean, it, some of the CGI destruction is a bit over the top. Um, I always sit there now watching films where, you know, the entire island of Manhattan is destroyed or something. I just think, that's going to be very expensive to fix. <laughs> um, and then they never show films about the people putting it back together again. But no, no I, I, I liked it. It's very much a lesser X-Men yeah. film, I think. Uh, they're, they're generally pretty decent, I think, the X-Men films. This, what, this one, I think, was one of the, the weaker ones. But they've done worse. Yeah. There have been worse superhero movies this mm. year. I, I think it's, it's the weakest of the four Brian Singer's yeah. done, but it's it's not that bad. And lastly, Zed for Zachariah. Oh, you saw it, did you? I did. Okay. Uh, it suddenly turned up on Netflix. The first half of the movie is a close adaptation of the book. <laughs> of a uh, woman living alone in the valley after nuclear war, man mm. and radiation suit suddenly turns up. The second half is completely original. Yeah. And tells a very different story. But, seen in isolation, it's actually quite a good film. Mm. It's very well acted. Margot Robbie's best film of the year. Chris Pine's best film of the year, because he was in Hell or High Water. Okay. And Starship Beyond, actually. Mm. It's an interesting thought. I mean, it takes the starting point of the book and then just does its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is a perfectly reasonable thing yeah. to do. It just seemed, it seemed odd when yeah. I heard the synopsis because obviously the whole point of Zed for Zachariah is it's a it's, book about two people. Man. Yeah, the last man and the last woman. And then another man turns up. That's exactly it. What it doesn't need is a love triangle. But interestingly, it actually works. But yeah. there, are, there are films made in the 50s about you know, our post-nuclear war yeah. and the last man, last man, and the love triangle. It kind of harks back to that. Yeah. But it works on its own terms. Okay. It was, it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Okay, so top 10 of the year. Okay. At 10... Anomalisa. Oh, right, yes. Stop-motion animated film directed and written by Charlie Kaufman about a man who's hallucinating that everyone else in the world looks exactly like the actor Tom Noonan, including all the women. Okay, I hadn't actually heard the synopsis of the film before, so... So all the models, all the puppet models, right. are all based on Tom Noonan. And the main character is played by David Thewlis. Until suddenly, while he's, uh, he's, he's a self-help guru... And uh, he's on a lecture tour. And one night in a hotel, he hears a different voice. Oh, right. And it's a woman played by Jennifer Jason Lee. It's a really, it's a really weird movie. Mm. Um, no, really? It's, I mean, it's Charlie Kaufman, so obviously yeah. it's going to be a, a, a workout for one's brain. But um, I liked it. There was, there's something strange and enchanting about yeah. it. Sort of a, a love story based on this strange first principle I thought it was very clever I liked it very much and fifth in the bottom five I haven't ranked these yet but let's say Suicide Squad oh okay I waited until it was on video and borrowed it from my library jolly good I approve it's rubbish obviously it's rubbish everyone knows it's rubbish the first (laughs) the first half of the movie uh, appears to be condensed down from like a five-hour TV 
miniseries. Oh. It's just this jumble of scenes to introduce various characters several times each. <laughs> Look. Um, the second half of the movie is then the characters wandering through a city to get to the villain right. and then defeat her. There's a lot of bad acting, particularly from Cara Delevingne, who plays the villain. Will Smith is an autopilot. Mm. Uh, the writing for Harley Quinn, oh, yes. played by Margot Robbie, it hints towards something more interesting, that she's more than just the the Joker's girlfriend who goes around yeah. wearing hot pants and flirting with everyone, that there's maybe something more to that, because we see the origin of her character, how she was sort of yeah. dunked in the goo and, and she came out as this demented figure. And that maybe sort of away from the Joker's influence she could be more interesting. And it's we never get to that. We never get to the interesting stuff. Right. And the result is a film that has clearly been assembled by six or seven different people, none of whom talk to each other. Right. And Jared Leto, as the Joker, mm. is... It's like watching a war crime. He's, <laughs> he's terrible. He's absolutely terrible. I just remember, and I think this is not a remotely original observation, but the publicity and the run-up to the release of the film where it was all just, you won't believe what crazy extreme thing he got up to. This, and it's, he was like mailing, I don't know. Sending used condoms and dead yeah, rats. To his yeah, cousin. that's it. And you just, it just, what's the, what's the phrase? Try acting, it's easy. Yeah. And um, I had the news yesterday that he might be working on a new Tron movie. Oh dear. <laughs> a dagger of ice through my heart. Nine on the good films list. Uh, not something I planned on seeing, but it turned up on Netflix, and Mark Como chose it as his film of the year. Okay. It's everyone's favourite genre, the Persian language ghost story. Okay, yes. Under yes. the Shadow. Uh, a woman in early 80s Tehran looking after her daughter after her father is uh, called away to the front to fight in the war against Iraq right. finds herself being menaced by a spirit. A very thoughtful, clever film. It works as a straightforward ghost story mm. in a war-torn city, which is an unusual setting. But it's much more about social comment, about the way women were treated under this regime, right. about the kind of social alienation. There's a running element where uh, the lead character has an, an illicit Jane Fonda workout video. <laughs> Which obviously you're not supposed to have in the Islamic yeah. Republic. So she does her uh, her workout videos, and that winds up that winds up being a plot element. She's not allowed to have a video recorder. Oh, great! Let alone Jane yeah. Fonda. But it's a very good film. It works both as just a straightforward ghost story, and it's very scary. Okay. I watched it quite late at night. And <laughs> I did get scared, oh, yeah. uh, but also is a much cleverer, more complex film. Yeah. And at number eight, Sully. Oh, that's the plane guy, isn't it? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> um, Chesley Sullenberger, who landed the plane on the Hudson. Yeah. It's Clint Eastwood's latest film, and it's typically for Clint Eastwood a lean 95 minutes. Mm. It's a very interesting story, and it starts afterwards. Yeah. And it's mainly about the investigation into whether or not Sullenberger was risking the life of his passengers by trying to land on yeah. the river rather than trying to make it back to a landing strip. And he's tortured by fear and guilt. Mm. Was would I have killed people? And and has that the whole the whole crash is replayed through several times yeah. from different points of view. And there is a scene where he's looking out of the window at a 
describing the city, and he imagines his plane coming in among the buildings and then just crashing into a skyscraper and the whole thing's collapsing in a giant ball of fire. Wow. Which is a bit daring yeah, to yeah. show in a movie these days. And you think, yeah, this is it's everything that's going through his mind. Yeah. It's a very well-drawn character study of professional people. Yeah. But also say, they're not professional to the exclusion of all else. This isn't a Michael Mann film. This yeah. is a Clint Eastwood film where these people have internal lives that they choose not to express, but they're there and they are the cause of yeah. so much in their lives. It's it's a very well-written, very well-acted film. Tom Hanks is excellent. Okay. Really well. Number four. Oh, that's an easy one, actually. Independence Day Resurgence. No, I saw this one. I fell asleep. Really? Which, at which point? A third of the way it's quite through. a noisy... Yeah. Oh, I, have, I have a knack for falling asleep in noisy movies. I fell asleep in Transformers 3. That's an achievement. When I woke up, Chicago had gone. <laughs> I mean... This film was kind of my grubby little secret in that I'd I'd seen that sometime last year, whenever it was that they first announced it was coming, and my initial reaction was, there's a film that doesn't need a sequel. But then the closer it got, they could talk to all this stuff about, well, it's set 20 years afterwards, it's a society that's actually using the alien technology. You think, well, okay, this could actually be quite interesting, so I snuck off to see it. And... <laughs> In the end, I was disappointed. It wasn't anywhere near as good as it should. And it was missing the fun that the first film Yeah, had. it didn't have the wit yeah. and the, the, the lightness of touch that, even with the colossal destruction the first movie had, there was yeah. still an element of humour to it yeah. that just sweetened it. And there's the bit, there's a, I don't know if you remember the bit from one of the episodes of The Simpsons where Hans Molman runs into a telephone booth and goes, give me the biggest seed belt you've got. No, that's too big. <laughs> well, there's a point where the alien spaceship is landing on the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And I'm watching it going, no, nah, it's too big. I turned yeah. into Hans Molman. It's it's beyond the, the scale of yeah. reasonable comprehension. Exactly. It's very poorly written. And the as well, the point as well where they suddenly go, oh no, there's an alien queen. And it's like, really? Are we going down that route again? Because yeah. that feels like, it feels like I've seen so many films that have got alien queens in and now we have, uh, yeah, a real disappointment. It's very boring. And it takes this, as you said, the great concept of what's the world like 20 years yeah. after we beat an alien invasion and we've got all this great technology. There's so much you can do there. Yeah. You can do a TV series with that. Mm. In fact, V did do a TV series with that. Well, after they've defeated the aliens, they have a TV series about what's yeah. life like on Earth now. Great. But it's just thrown away with yeah. boring characters and boring actors and a story that makes no sense. Yeah. Judd Hirsch's storyline where he drives a, a school bus full of teenagers around oh, the God, desert for the whole yes, yeah. oh, it was It was painful. I fell asleep. By the time I woke up, the president had changed gender. <laughs> and in my slightly adult state, I thought she should have cancelled that appointment because there's aliens invading. And yeah. surely she can put that off until until, until this is sorted yeah. out. No, it, it was a different character. Yeah, yeah. But I honestly thought because Roland, Roland Emmerich, the director, is I mean, actually to the one thing that I say in the film's credit, uh, you have an openly gay yeah. couple in it. Yeah, treat and it's treated totally normally. Yeah, nobody makes a big deal. In fact, it's never even remarked upon, is it? No. Which is kind of odd in a way because the original film is now old enough that it would have been made that if there'd if there'd been a gay couple in that film, it would have been treated with a little. In fact, you had the you had Jeff Goldblum's boss, didn't you? Oh yeah, Harvey Fierstein, who is uh, very much so, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and it's treated in much more of a 
it's not an unkind way, but he's very much more stereotypical. He's, he's very camp. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. And here you have the two actors, and, and they, it's yes, yeah, yeah. what what this is perfectly normal as indeed it is. Yeah. Um, and the the film ends with the promise of a third movie, oh, yeah. which won't happen because this flopped, and uh, we don't want a third one. <laughs> no. Uh, right, number seven on the on the good ones, a United Kingdom. Oh yeah. Have I actually? I think you did nominate it for. There were some actors involved, possibly or actresses. Yes. There was a number of people nominated. Didn't win anything. It's a true story about the founding of Botswana land, which became Botswana, and um, how the crown prince of the country, while studying in the UK, fell in love with and married a an ordinary Englishwoman, mm. and the subsequent political turmoil and struggles for control in Botswana land. It's a very very cleverly made film mm. because it focuses it has this co- massively complicated political international story and it, the focus is this one personal relationship mm. that's where everything comes from and it sells you on that first and then everything else is just how it affects this i thought it was excellent i really really liked it the only bum note in it is that the lead actress is rosamund pike as i mentioned her father's played by Nicholas Lindhurst. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's and, going to take you out of it. And, you know, he's doing his best. Yeah. But it's still Nicholas Lindhurst. Yeah. And it's very hard not to see. Ah, uh, Gary Sparrow. Hmm. But that's very highly recommended. It's a very good film. More sort of historical fun at number six. Son of Saul. Good. Which I believe won last year's Best Foreign Language Feature Oscar. It, I should have double check this I think it's a Hungarian film right it's definitely Southeast Europe and is about uh, life in a death camp during the Holocaust film from the point of view of a member of the Sonderkommando who okay. their job was herd people into gas chambers mm. drag bodies out of gas chambers dump them into ovens shovel ashes into the river all the stuff that the Germans didn't want to do yeah and one of the bodies that one of the workers finds he thinks might be his son. And it's about his attempts to try and find a way to give his son a decent Jewish burial. Right. It's, again, I keep saying it's very cleverly made about everything, but it really is. It's filmed, a lot of it's filmed over the shoulder. Oh, right. So it's sort of putting you in the position of, of the character as you're yeah. following them around. It really just projects you into this environment. Yeah. And you feel everything that's happening. It's hard work. Yeah, I can imagine. But it doesn't go any further than it needs to. I mean, as I, again, the lead actor's name, I apologise to anyone listening for mispronouncing his name. But he is superb. Mm. Geza Rurik, I think his name is, is pronounced. It's a really thoughtful, yet not preachy it's very stripped back in mm. in a way it's 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 like schindler's list for people in a hurry because <laughs> it's it's only about 90, it's, it's only about 90 minutes and a lot of it's based on a true story i didn't know that there was a revolt in auschwitz i think it's yeah i i don't claim to that be any was, kind of expert was actually the, i mean it sounds impossibly grim but as a film it's it is a it is a very grim yeah. story but it, but it's it's partly built around the fact that there was a prisoner revolt in Auschwitz. Incredibly, yeah. And I'm amazed that they, they even summon the energy. 
but um, it was a, a really extraordinary mm. piece of work. Uh, I think we're due for another terrible one. I think so, yes. Manchester by the Sea. Controversial inclusion in the terrible list. I know. I thought it was melodramatic twaddle of the highest order. It's so laboured of you know, this guy who's got to look after his nephew after his brother dies of a heart condition. All oh, there are stories going around in town about what he was like. And it turns out it's because he used to be a drunk. And right. He once uh, left the fire running while he went down to the liquor store. And when he got home, his house was burning down and his children were inside and his children burned to death. Mm. And then when that scene's played in the movie, I started laughing because it's so over the top. There's classical music in the background and his wife is going, oh, no, let me in my babies, my babies, while she's being restrained by the ambulance. Does it dip into slow motion at any point? Or? I think it might, actually. Okay. It's, so, it's just... It just went into absurdity. Yeah. Okay. Casey Affleck, you know, won Best Actor at the Oscars. He's like a zombie. I mean, the point is that he's sublimated all this emotion. Yeah, yeah. But there's no sense of inner life. Yeah. He's just sort of staring into space all the time. Michelle Williams, no one who best supporting actress, is you know Harvard yarding all the way through the movie. In fairness, she's not actually in it that much, but doing this ridiculous Boston accent. It's filled with these weird digressions that have no bearing on anything. I think it's right. also, oh, it's because it's realistic. Yeah. But when, you know, characters walking around and talking and then they can't remember where they parked and then they have to start walking in the other direction and they carry on talking. So, well, yeah, that kind of thing might happen in real life. But yeah. this is a movie. Yes, yeah. Why is this movie two hours and 20 minutes long? It's the only film I've seen this year where I left the screen the second the credits started. I was up out of my seat, gone. <laughs> so, listener, run, don't walk, away from your cinema to avoid seeing Manchester by the Sea because it's garbage. And then suddenly, when you can't think it gets any more jarring, Matthew Broderick turns up. Okay. The director, Ken Lonergan, he's his lucky charm. Right. Totally miscut. Totally out of place in this film. And all it made me think of was you killed two people in a car crash in Ireland. Because I, I couldn't make the jump from, oh, it's Matthew Broderick playing a character. Think, no, it's Matthew Broderick. Oh, yeah, and he killed two people in a car crash in Ireland. Look it up. <laughs> Better or worse than Mel Gibson? Separating the art from the artist. Mel Gibson never killed anybody. Uh, Matthew yeah. Broderick killed two people in a car crash in Ireland. And number five on the good list, Zootopia. Oh, yes. That was a really lovely surprise. <laughs> One doesn't expect a Disney talking animal movie to be such a rich and complex discussion of racial prejudice, because it really is about a city where prey and predator live hand in hand, and prey animals are starting to be killed off, and predator animals are being suspected. Mm. And the the message is kind of, everyone's a little bit racist, but... It's framed in such a an unlikely yeah. vessel. Yeah, because I thought, oh, a city where animals will live together. That sounds like every film I've ever seen. Yeah. But it's so really well thought out. Mm. And I was just really surprised that you could have a children's talking animal comedy movie that's genuinely funny, has really well thought out characters, has an actually a serious subtext that's something that children need to know and need to think about from a young age. It's, I think, yeah. one of the best films Disney have released in a long time. 
It's really, really good. And I would recommend it to anyone, whether or not you've got young children. It's really, really good. Mm. And at number four... Oh, hang on, this is one something. <laughs> it's the Oscars all over again. Oh, no, I've got the wrong envelope. It's... The winner is Marissa Tomei. It's the winner for Best Director. Oh, OK. Taika Waititi's Hunt for the Wilder People. The biggest homegrown hit ever in New Zealand. Uh, have you heard of this? I have, and again, it's on my list of ones to watch, I think, because everybody has been incredibly positive about it. Um, a young Maori delinquent is given to a foster family. Um, a very sort of a loving mother, a somewhat more reserved father. But then the mother suddenly dies of a heart mm. attack. And the foster son knows that he's, and if he goes back, he's going to end up going into the juvenile detention system. The father has nothing else in his life, mm. and they wind up running away into the hills together and basically wind up living as fugitives <laughs> while the authorities think that the father's kidnapped the son. Oh. It's a really warm, rich portrait of this relationship of two people who genuinely don't like each other, but through this, this shared experience and this shared story, yeah. they reach a common ground and they reach this very almost familial love between them. Sam Neill is absolutely superb. It's the performance of his career. Right. It's really, really, really good. Mm. I, keep, I keep saying that. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but, but it is. Yes. <laughs> it's really funny as well. Mm. I mean, it's, it's mainly a comedy, and it is really, really funny, mm. but it's also brilliantly directed. It's not just character material. It, uh, Waititi is a very creative visual director I mean last year he did What We Do in the Shadows oh yes oh that was him as well wasn't yeah. it okay, yeah and, and later this year he's doing Thor Ragnarok interesting so and and like What We Do in the Shadows there's a scene stealing cameo by Reese Darby who I won't say how he turns up but mm. he only has a couple of scenes and he's great because Reese Darby is the greatest comedy actor in the world yeah I loved it okay uh, second worst film of the year. Batman versus Superman, Dawn Ooh. of Justice. Do you really need me to say why it's terrible? No. I was going to go and see it, and then... Don't! No, exactly. Everybody said it's awful. I need to think, well, why Yeah, why bother? No, I've, I've heard nothing good about it. It kind of seems to, it made a ton of money, and so they're going to keep making them. It made more than half its money in the US in the first three days. Yeah. It opened massive and then tailed off very, very quickly. Both Batman and Superman are totally unsympathetic. It's not a matter of different sides of good fighting. They're both murderers. Yeah. Batman openly goes around killing people. Superman threatens to murder Batman. The story is wildly overcomplicated and makes almost no sense. Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor is terrible. Mm. It's just a car crash of a film. It really is as bad yeah. as everyone says. And yet it's not even the worst film of the year. No, still one more to go. What do you think it might be? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure now. Uh, the, the whole world's been turned upside down by yeah, Batman yeah. versus Superman not being the worst yeah. film of the year. So number three on the good list, Arrival. Okay, yeah. Science fiction for grown-ups. Yeah, I went to see it and I kind of considered Independence Day, whatever word beginning with R they used for Independence Day, and Arrival. Regurgitation. Be, yeah. They're the polar opposites, basically. But yeah. It's just so nice to see a science fiction film aimed at adults 
that takes the material seriously, assumes the audience is clever, or at least is prepared to engage with what's happening on screen, and then and be made on a relatively tight budget, and to be a big hit. Mm. It's made $100 million in the US and costs less than half that to make. Yeah, great. It's really encouraging, and it's a great idea for a movie. It wins Best Adapted Screenplay from me. Okay. Based on a short story. And I was surprised how much of the movie is original. Oh, okay. Because um, the story, I mean, it's, it's, the a, story it's is a short very story. It's a short story, yeah. But the, the ideas of it, of trying to decode an alien language and thinking about the way language is the coding for the way your brain works. Mm. Everything is built from that. So a different language that's structured differently maybe works differently in terms of perception will change the way you perceive the world because it alters the building blocks of reality. Mm. That's a really interesting idea. And the film makes that work in a way that is dramatic and emotional. It has a really exciting story. It has a... the character work is so engaging. Amy Adams was robbed of mm. an Oscar nomination. It's ridiculous. I mean, she, I mean, she's got five already, and she still hasn't won. Yeah. Oh well, maybe next time. Well, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, I I loved Arrival. Second best film of the year, winner of original screenplay and best actor, The Founder. Okay. So it was the last movie I saw. The last movie I saw on, on the deadline day. <laughs> it's the story of the creation of McDonald's. Oh, this is... Yeah, yeah. Actually, I quite fancy seeing this one. Yeah. Well, it's the second best film of the year. Yeah. About how Ray Kroc, a milkshake receipt yeah. salesman, found this little diner restaurant that had found out how to serve food quickly to a high quality. And he inveigled himself with the business. He sold it all over the US. Bit by bit, he pulled it out from underneath mm. the McDonald brothers. It's a very much a film of a current time about how you can be incredibly successful despite not doing anything original whatsoever. <laughs> but it's a fascinating story. Yeah. And it's one that I didn't really know. Michael Keaton is terrific. Oh, that's right. Yes, it's Michael Keaton, isn't it? Yeah. 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 A, a fascinating character. Fascinatingly written, brilliantly portrayed. It's, as I said, it's an excellent script that boils down this story into a very straightforward narrative but still preserving yeah all these sort of pockets of strangeness that really happened it's a fascinating film yeah and it's almost like a story of how the modern world came to be yeah but yeah it's it's really really excellent and what annoys me is michael keaton starred in two consecutive best picture winners after birdman and spotlight and then the, the founder was completely ignored it was just yeah wasn't wasn't it's yeah was it no not enough black people. I, I understand that the, the academy wanted to, yeah, you know, be more forward thinking, which is great, as indeed they should be. I just think that some really good work is being lost out in the wash. Yes. Worst film of the year. Okay. Now, you couldn't guess what it could be. It's a horror movie. Right. Okay. It's a sequel. Oh, I'm right. Speak up when you guess it. Is it a scary doll film? No. no, no, oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I was thinking of something else then. Uh, it's a sequel to an original that is a masterpiece. Which is one of the reasons why I was so angry with it. Because it was sold, this new one, oh, as being... Oh, I think I may have just guessed it. It was sold as being a revolution in yeah. horror. 
Instead, what we got was a crappy carbon copy of every horror cliche in the book delivered in the most perfunctory, slapdash, lazy manner you can think of. What is it? I'm going to guess it's Blair Witch. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Blair Witch is the worst movie of last year. Right. I hate it, and I hate everyone involved with it. And I was really annoyed because it was directed by Adam uh, Wingard, who directed The Guest, which I thought was very good. Your Next, which I finally saw on oh, New Year's yeah. Day, which I thought was quite good. But this was just a disgrace. It's a cheap, lazy knockoff. Right. And the fact that it was publicised as being something, oh, this is a revolution in horror. Oh, it's absolutely terrifying. No, it's a stupid, crappy sequel that makes no sense, that takes everything that was great about the Blair Witch Project and takes a shit on it. It does everything wrong. I'm glad it was a flop. Mm. I'm glad it failed. It's a terrible movie. I got. I was angry leaving the cinema because I felt I'd been had. Yeah. This is what Trump voters feel like now. <laughs> so, one left. Best film of the yeah. year. Winner of Best Actress. A true story that I already knew, but had never been adapted for the screen before and was adapted twice last year. One in another movie that I didn't see. Christine. Okay. The story of Christine Chubbuck, a television journalist in Florida in the early 70s, whose commitment to social interest stories conflicted with her station manager's interest in ratings and blood and guts. And that combined with personal problems, health problems, mental health problems, eventually pushed her too far and she killed herself on live television. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of... It's a hard watch, but nothing felt more appropriate to the times than this. The (sighs) the television news getting out of control. Yeah. An idealist, but someone who... I mean, she's not written as being likeable. Hmm. She's rude and unpleasant and not wildly professional, but she's trying to do her job. Yeah. She's trying to do something that makes a difference. And she just has roadblocks in front of her at every turn because she's a woman, because she's demanding, and Mm. because she wants to do a good job and not just appeal to the lowest common denominator. Rebecca Hall is astonishing. I, I, I'd seen her in a few things before. I thought, oh, yeah, yeah she's, she's quite good, but I wouldn't go out of my way to see anything with her in I Will Now. Yeah. It's a remarkable performance by making you care about this person who is obnoxious, yeah, frankly. Yeah. But it's just pushed and pushed and pushed further and further. And she has health problems. She has, um, I can't remember the exact specifics, but she has a problem with her reproductive organs such that if she doesn't get pregnant in the next year or so, she will never have children. Oh, right. She was into her 30s and she was still a virgin. She never had a relationship right. with a man. And it's like the universe was just taking a dump on her. Mm. And ultimately it pushed her too far. And that final sequence, there are some changes made to the actual story. Right. And the final sequence, when I realised this is the day it's going to happen, I f- almost felt ill mm. because I knew what was coming. And it is shown clinically and unflinchingly, but not melodramatically. And it's a very, very powerful film. 
and it's a story that needed to be told. I'm glad it's being told. I was extremely pissed off how, how badly it's been distributed. Yeah. It's had virtually no release in the UK. I had to scrape around to find somewhere that was showing it. I had to go and see a screening at 10 to 6 on a Friday evening because it, they were so weirdly yeah, yeah. scheduled. No publicity whatsoever. Every review I've seen has been overwhelmingly positive. And the distributor, well, I think it's Curzon Cinemas, uh, who barely let any other chain show it mm. outside of their own wildly overpriced chain, couldn't care less. Yeah, it's they did nothing to support this film. It's the best film of the year, and they couldn't give a shit. And I'm legitimately angry about this. This is a film that needs to be shown, it needs to be seen generally, and no one seems to care yeah. who actually can do anything about it. It's a disgrace. I'm glad you agree. I do agree, yes. <laughs> but that's, yes, Christine, directed by Antonio Campos, is the best film of the year. Okay. I do have some previews for 10 movies coming up in the near future that are, that are interesting and worth seeing. On 31st of March, The Discovery. Don't recognise the name, actually. Uh, it's fresh from Sundance, straight to Netflix, set in the near future, where a scientist played by Robert Redford has proven that the afterlife exists. Okay. So people are committing mass suicide all over the world. Beautiful. And it's... It sounds like a fantastic... I don't quite know what the tone of it's going to be. It looks very dour and grim, but there seems to be an element of humour to it. It also Mm. stars Jason Segel. The concept alone is enough to make me want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Coming out the same day, a movie that I know almost nothing about, apart from having seen the trailer and that made an impression on me, The Void. A horror that's, I think, about a cult. Oh. Um, and it looks really violent. And the cult wears sort of weird upside-down triangle robes. And it just looks crazy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I Listener, I recommend the trailer. Excellent. I have no idea what the film's going to be like. But if it's like the trailer, take a sick bag. I'll check out the trailer. April 14th, The Handmaiden. Korean film based on an English novel. Uh, Sarah Waters' Fingersmith. I don't know the book terribly well, yeah. but the film has been very highly acclaimed, and it's directed by Park Chan-wook, who's maybe the, the, yeah. the leading director in Korean cinema at the moment. So I'm very interested in that. Three films on the 21st of April. The Belco Experiment. A group of American workers out working for a company in Central Asia. One day, suddenly, the whole build, shutters come down over all the windows and doors in the building, and a voice over the intercom says start killing each other. <laughs> so okay. it's The Office meets Battle Royale. Right. Uh, directed by Greg McLean of Wolf Creek. Directed by James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. I yeah, saw already. Yeah, based on yeah. That, based on that. I, that sounds fantastic. It's, it, I, again, I've seen trailers. It looks mega violent. Mm. And the same day, Colossal. The American debut by Nacho Vigalondo, who directed the Spanish sci-fi film Time Crimes, which was extremely good. This is a... It's about a woman who is dumped by her boyfriend, loses her job and moves back home to her family and just starts getting drunk and hanging out with her all her old mates. But at the same time as that, in Seoul, a giant monster is wrecking buildings and the two events are not unconnected. <laughs> okay. And that stars Anne Hathaway in the lead role. Right. It's one of those movies that you are surprised actually got made. Yeah, yeah. But I'm looking forward to that. Mm. And again, the same day, Warren Beatty's first film in 16 years as an actor and I think nearly 20 years as a director, Rules yeah. Don't Apply, where he plays an ageing 
Howard Hughes taking an interest in the personal lives of his employees. Bombed in the US. Oh. Didn't get terribly good reviews. But just interested in seeing what he's been up to. Yeah, yeah. What was the last film we did? Was it Bullworth? The last one directed was Bullworth. The last film he was in was Town and Country, which bombed and helped end a lot of people's careers. So he's just been doing nothing yeah, since then. his money, yeah. Well, supposedly he was interested in running for political office. But oh, he's, yes, yeah. He's getting yeah. on a bit now, so it's yeah. not really a, a, a practical consideration. 5th of May, Mindhorn. 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 Okay, uh, good, good title. A sci-fi comedy set and filmed in the Isle of Man. Okay. I'm not, again, I should have looked into this more. It's something to do with the star of a, a TV show called Mindhorn is drawn out of retirement to deal with strange goings-on of some sort. There's a lot of people working on it who I recognise, a lot of contemporary yeah. comedians. It's directed by Sean Foley, whose work I've been impressed by. And early word is that it's good. Mm-hmm. 23rd, of, that's, that's the 5th of May. 23rd of June, The Beguiled, which I'm really looking forward to. It's Sofia Coppola's new film and a loose remake of the Clint Eastwood film from 1971 about a Civil War veteran who, returning from the front, is sheltered by a girls' boarding school. Oh. And he falls under their spell just as they fall under his. The new film stars Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman and Kirsten Mm. Dunst. It looks very interesting. It has that kind of, rather like The Virgin Suicide, it has that kind of dreamy, floaty style to it. So that's interesting summer counter-programming. Then on the 4th of August, Luc Besson's Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I just want to see yeah, how yeah. it's going to mess up because Luke Besser has a habit of making films that don't work. <laughs> the Fifth Element was 20 mm. years ago. Yes, yeah. God, it was. He promised it? a sequel, which we never got. The Sixth Element, presumably. And uh, I'm interested to see what this is. Apparently it's based on a very popular mm. French graphic novel series. I recognise, I kind of half recognise the name, but I might be getting it mixed up with Voltron, to be honest. That's the, with all the robots that join the t- robot. Yeah, that sounds the... terrific. And then, to, to cap off my lack of research, on the 3rd of November, a film about which I know nothing. You just know it exists. It may not even be coming out then. Yeah. God Particle. Oh, okay. Which apparently is going to be the next Cloverfield story. Right. So presumably at some point they'll have to rename... The to Cloverfield with... Particle. But yeah, yeah. Some scientists in uh, the space shuttle are investigating something, and then suddenly the Earth vanishes. Or, <laughs> or, or something. That's a... Bad start for a film. Yeah. I mean, you're already in trouble if the Earth vanishes. Yes, yeah. Um, I know Chris O'Dowd is in it, and I remember that seemed like odd casting for a sci-fi thriller. Yeah. But, you know, we've we've had two Cloverfield movies. Yeah. It's worked twice, uh, filming in secret and then suddenly unleashing this movie, and it's a good movie. Has a trailer come out for this one? Nope. Oh, okay. We know nothing. Right. The director is Julius Ona. Never heard of him. He could be anybody. Right. He could be a pen name. Is it a cunning anagram or something? It's, yeah, it's JJ Abrams. It's the master. <laughs> um, and then there's all the other movies coming out as well. Yes, yeah. But uh, those ten, I think, in particular are interesting. Mm. So, uh, centre next year? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fingers crossed for another X-Men movie, another Star Wars movie, another sequel to everything else movie. Yep, and, and we'll, we'll see if I can break into double figures of actually going to the cinema. Although, so far this year... I haven't been to see anything. I've seen one. Oh, yeah. So it's a slow year for both of us. Then. Well, I've been watching all the other movies that haven't come out yet. Cool. But um, it's uh, it was Prevenge, which was good. I recommend it. And next year, listener, I expect to read your reports about what you thought of it. <laughs>
Thanks to Chris for making the time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is on iTunes, with 30 episodes currently available, so please download, review and subscribe. Podnose is also on Patreon, so please do pop a penny in the box to help us with our running costs. We're also on Twitter, at Cinema Limbo, and in person at J underscore J underscore Phillips, with two L's. But until next time, just watch more good films. You have been listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, edited by Tilda Reiser, with music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcast Network. Visit us at www.podnose.com. <laughs>